ain't no tag. Hey, what is up, good people? Welcome to a brand new episode of The Midnight Drop. I'm your host, Jordan Malone. Welcome back to the second episode of 2023 and pretty much the first episode where I pretty much just go solo dolo here. And it is great to have you guys back watching the podcast, listening to the podcast, whatever you're doing and how you're indulging this great content. We are back and we are going to be real quick and easy as we're just going to be talking about a couple of things here we're going to be talking about the last of us a more in-depth review my thoughts on the last episode that came out uh on sunday pretty much what's going on with the mandalorian a new trailer just dropped and we're going to go ahead and talk about that a little bit and we're going to be talking about two additional things that i just ran through my mind the first one being the box office returns for house party and other movies that came out not only this past weekend but also in the last couple of weeks of january and my my idea for a really cool Sonic the Animated Series. We have all of this and more in today's episode of The Midnight Drop. Let's get into it right now. then we are back let me go ahead and turn down this tv so it doesn't echo all around it is good to be back uh on this whole entire podcast and just kind of talking about things movie tv and culture related uh if you guys have been have known of me then you're probably from tiktok or you're from youtube or from instagram where i've been doing a lot of content and Suffice to say, we are back on the podcast doing a lot of cool episodes here for all of 2023. If you haven't checked out the last new episode that we put out, that was actually yesterday to where it was me and Trey just talking about Velma. We were talking about Jimmy John Gargantuan sandwiches, and we were we were just going in and just uh, talking about a lot of crazy stuff, as always. But we're back, and we're going to kind of keep it professional, but also very quick because, number one, I got a lot of stuff to do tomorrow and two, there's just a lot of stuff that I want to just go in and talk about. And I just cannot wait to come back here uh, and just talk to you guys on the mic, on the roadcaster, on the camera and all that. But before we begin, you know what we have to do here. House cleaning rules. If you are new to the Midnight Drop, welcome. We do a lot of movie, TV show and culture podcast talk to where we just go in and just talk a lot of crazy stuff. Sometimes it's just me by myself. Sometimes I'm with one other person on Zoom or whatever. And other times uh, it's me and all the whole entire gang of Trey, Brandon, Devin, Josh, Julian, just talking about movies, TV, culture and just silly stuff. And we have an amazing time here. You can follow the Midnight Drop on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, or on www.themidnightdrop.com. Again, that's www.themidnightdrop.com. All of the socials will be linked down in the description box, wherever you're listening to. You can also listen to the podcast uh, on audio in terms of Spotify, Anchor, www.themidnightdrop.com, and also other platforms that you'll see below. And 
If you want to catch a new episode here or there, just go ahead and just keep on the lookout for any new episodes that come out. Uh, I know we got an episode coming up next with Lance, uh, one of my good friends. And we're going to be talking about a lot of cool stuff about black films, talking about a movie I just watched this past weekend and a lot of cool stuff. So, again, go ahead and go to the description box. Check out for new updates, new episodes, all the other platforms. And with that being said, let's get into the nitty gritty and things. Uh, First off, I mean, the weekend was great. I hope you guys had a great weekend. I hope you guys had a great Monday as well. Uh, At the time of this recording, I pretty much just got a new outfit, new sweatshirt, new sweatsuit, all that. And I am not getting up to the chair to show you the sweatpants because I am tired and I do not feel like getting up right now. But I've had a great weekend. I've had a great Monday. The last couple of days has been a little interesting. I was on TikTok and I was just doing like a lot of content on there. One of my videos kind of went viral when it came to talking about Velma and just how bad the first two episodes were. So pretty much I had that going on. Then a whole freaking (laughs) a whole Instagram blog that has like 1.3 million followers took one of my videos and just used it for some stupid narrative and it was kind of lazy. And then only then I decided to go watch a couple of more movies and TV shows. And then there was the big show that I was waiting, anticipating on the last of us, which we're going to be talking about today. So I've had a really good weekend. I've had a really good Monday. Uh, The rest of the week is going to be real busy with me with these new episodes with school, with just work, everything. So I am just making sure that I stay productive, stay positive through all of this and just hoping I give you guys as much content as I can. But without further ado, let's just go ahead and just get real deep into what we're going to be talking about today. And that first, the main course, the main, the main platter of all this is going to be my in-depth reaction and review and thoughts of The Last of Us HBO series. Yes, that show finally came out based on one of the best video games of all time and a lot of people's opinion, unless you talk about part two, this was the game that you know when news broke out that there was going to be a tv series adaptation with pedro pascal and uh somebody else that was going to play ellie that was going to be crazy and people were going bonkers for it they were just like oh my god they're finally doing a tv series they thought we were going to do a movie but you can't do a movie because you have so much to pack into that movie so it's like Thank God we are finally going to get a TV series. And a lot of people were worried that it wasn't going to be that great. A lot of people were worried that why do you need an adaptation when you already have one of the best stories in video games of all time where you can literally go on YouTube and just watch a whole compilation of cutscenes and just call that the entire movie? Well, HBO Max, Neil Druckmann, everybody who worked on this project pretty much just proved to us that even if you did play the games, there are a lot of great things to go in here and watch for. And I'm just going to be completely honest with you on this one. I am going to show you the trailer for the last of us. And I'm going to show you the first trailer that they put out there, not the official trailer or anything like that. I'm going to show you the official teaser that they put out because the teaser was probably one of my favorite things of all time when it came down to trailers and it really got me hyped. And I feel like this is the one thing that's like really, really indicative of just what the show is all about, what this adaptation is. So without further ado, let me go ahead and show you the teaser trailer for the last of us HBO TV series. If you haven't watched this trailer, you're in for a treat. Let's get into it. Oh, wait a minute. (laughs) That's not the right one. That is pretty much, uh, 
I think I know what it is. That's the one where they had where it was like a an HBO Max day, and they were pretty much just saying like, "Hey, let's go ahead and show you like this HBO Max day like stuff of like previews and everything, and let's have a really mm-hmm. good time." Uh, I'm gonna try to find its teaser trailer and see if I can get it to you guys. Okay, here we go. Watch oh, Super Bowl no, Fifty. Super Bowl. See, every time I go on YouTube, it's just like, yeah, let's go ahead and put in like as many ads as we can. And it's getting a little annoying. But here we go. Here is the teaser trailer. The first trailer that came out with The Last of Us TV series. And I hope you guys enjoy. And we'll be back with my in-depth impressions and thoughts. At my door, the birds in the morning don't sing anymore. The grass in the valley is starting to die, and out in the darkness, the whippoorwills cry. The darkness is falling, the sky has turned gray, the hound in the distance is starting to fade. trailer for the last of us oop there goes that echo but that was the teaser trailer for the last of us and honestly like when i saw that trailer i was just completely hyped for what we're going to see and i will uh firmly say this right now i love the first episode of the last of us um it provided all the things that I wanted in a last of us video game adaptation series. And it brought in so many things that I didn't really expect it to do. And I mean, like I said, in like one of my previous TikTok videos is that one of the great things about this show is that it does one of the things that you want a video game adaptation to do, which is pretty much expand and flesh out more things that the game didn't have the opportunity to do. Don't get me wrong. The Last of Us video game is probably one of the best games narratives of all time. When it came out on PS3, it was like a game changer. It pretty much was like this video game, but also kind of like a movie. And it pretty much blended those together to give you a playable cinematic experience so when it comes down to this adaptation it really just feels like 
they look back at the game. They look back at this narrative that's just award winning. And they said, let's try to figure out ways to really expand upon that. Let's see if we can flesh out more characters, flesh out these environments, flesh out these storylines. And when you see episode one, you can already tell they're hitting the ground running. And there is one thing that I want to show you guys that pretty much proves my point. And that's pretty much the opening to the entire episode that we see right here. I'm glad that someone finally caught like this entire sequence and put it out on YouTube already because when I first saw it I was a little bit shook because I didn't I really wasn't expecting it but when they finally put it on here I was just like wow like you're really going at it and it's a sequence to where they pretty much foreshadow like the big reason why this outbreak that we see that we see and that we witness in the last of us TV series is such a big deal. And it has to regard doing the clickers fungi and everything. And pretty much it's these two public health experts. One's an epidemiologist. One I think is a doctor and they're just in a talk show, just talking about the dangers of being in a pandemic of bacteria and viruses. And it takes this turn to where not only are the people in that entire scene just are scared shitless, but people like myself, the viewer, we used to start to wonder, like, this is scary as hell. And I'm not going to go ahead and waste y'all time anymore. I'm just going to show y'all the scene because it was amazing. And that's your biggest worry? Yes, any kind of virus, but most probably something similar to influenza. Because of air travel? Through the air. Coughing. Uh, I'm sorry, I meant people on planes. Uh, that was something you described in your book. Yes, a new virus in Madagascar, say, could be in Chicago within a matter of weeks. And we end up with a global pandemic. Pan meaning all, the whole world becomes sick all at once. Hmm. And uh, Dr. Newman, you're also an epidemiologist. I presume the prospect of a viral pandemic keeps you up at night as well. No. No? No. All right, well, that's our show. (laughs) No, mankind has been at war with the virus from the start. Sometimes millions of people die as in an actual war, but in the end, we always win. Uh, But uh, just to be clear, you you do think microorganisms pose a threat? Oh, in the most dire terms. Bacteria? No. You like saying no? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Not bacteria, not viruses, so... Fungus. Yes, that's the usual response. Fungi seem harmless enough? Many species know otherwise, because there are some fungi who seek not to kill, but to control. Let me ask you, where do we get LSD from? Where do you get it from? (laughs) It comes from ergot, a fungus. Psilocybin, also a fungus. Viruses can make us ill, but fungi can alter our very minds. There's a fungus that infects insects, gets inside an ant, for example, travels through its circulatory system to the ant's brain and then floods it with hallucinogens, thus bending the ant's mind to its will. The fungus starts to direct the ant's behavior, telling it where to go, what to do, like a puppeteer with a marionette. And it gets worse. The fungus needs food to live, so it begins to devour its host from within, replacing the ant's flesh with its own. But it doesn't let its victim die, no. It, it keeps its puppet alive by preventing decomposition. How? Where do we get penicillin from? Fungus. <laughs> oh. Dr. Schoenheist, you're in distress. Fungal infection of this kind is real, but not in humans. True, fungi cannot survive if its host's internal temperature is over 94 degrees. And currently, there are no reasons for fungi to evolve to be able to withstand higher temperatures. But what if that were to change? What if, for instance, the world were to get slightly warmer? 
Well, now there is reason to evolve. One gene mutates, and an Ascomycetia, Candida, Ergot, Cordyceps, Aspergillus, any one of them could become capable of burrowing into our brains and taking control, not of millions of us, but billions of us. Billions of puppets with poisoned minds, permanently fixed on one unifying goal, to spread the infection to every last human alive by any means necessary. And there are no treatments for this, no preventatives, no cures. They don't exist. It's not even possible to make them. So if that happens... We lose. Sorry about that uh, was muted. But like I said, it's just like if you had any sort of common sense or you just are knowledgeable about the world we live in today, then you would pretty much understand that we are in a fucked up situation with the world and climate change and just, uh, you know, with climate change and the world getting warmer and warmer, that makes more viruses susceptible to arising uh, from thousands and millions of years ago, even new viruses and diseases developing. And with that, you have the possibility of uh, fungi just arising and taking form of new things. So with that, it really puts in the real world implications that fungi can have uh, for the world in general and for like this show to pretty much explain the severity of the outbreak and why, why, this was such a big deal and why this is super scary it's because in the real world well fuck it really this has real world science attached to it and that's something that the game didn't really go super crazy into explaining and i think that was really dope that they took the show as a vehicle to pretty much show foreshadow the severity of the outbreak and and how crazy this was but besides all that, I mean, let's just get into like the first 30 to 35 minutes to where we're introduced to our main character that's played by Pedro Pascal, Joel, who he's a fan favorite in video games in general. I mean, knowing that Pedro Pascal was going to portray the character Joy, uh, Joel, I think there was only like a small percentage of people who are pretty much worried. But for the rest of us, including myself, we kind of knew that like Pedro Pascal was a good choice. I mean... Besides any other role that he's played in and just also his big role in The Mandalorian, you could just tell that he's just a legit actor and he has amazing range and that he can play in a role like this. And seeing him in this position, seeing him in the first 30 to 35 minutes and just seeing who he was in the younger years like you did in the game, like that was that was awesome. Gabriel Luna was someone who played the character of Tom very well. Um, Like I said, like they did with the opening sequence with the whole uh, public health expert talking about fungi and the severity of it we also get these more fleshed out scenes of pretty much the pre-pandemic world that it is in 2003 to where we see joel we see his daughter we see tommy all of them are played by their respective actors very very well and that leads into one uh actor that i love actually one actress that i loved for the time that she was in it and that was i think it was nicole uh nicole parker and I'm going to go ahead and look her up, make, make sure that I'm not fucking up uh, the name so I can just go ahead and give you the right one. Because I want to be respectful 
uh, as possible and make sure I give you the right one. But pretty much uh, Joel's daughter was in here and she played a great, great role. It was Nico Parker. I apologize. Nico Parker uh, that pretty much played. uh, Actually, am I right on this? I want to say I hope I hope I'm right. I hope I write on this one. I do not want to fuck up. Let's go right here to Insider. I'm going to say Nico Parker just to make sure. Yes, Nico Parker. Okay, I am not fucking up right here. But yeah, for the time that she was in here, Nico Parker was just freaking awesome. I mean, she played a role in which, you know, all you had to do was pretty much just show uh, how much you know, this one single person Joel cared for and just the whole fear and and horror that was the beginning of that outbreak in one single character. And they, and the way they did her was just so well done that to be honest, and I'm going to say this, this fit made me feel more sad that the character died off so quickly. And for anyone who didn't play the game, I promise you there was probably like one or two people that was just there thinking like she was going to be a real important character in the series. Then we're all going crazy for her. Next thing you know it, she gets killed off and it's like, Holy shit. That is a twist. I never thought I would see. And, and, and for what she did in this role, I, I loved it. Um, pretty much this entire 30 to 35 minute sequence was awesome. And they added some things that were new. They changed some stuff. They definitely, uh, again, fleshed out more things. And especially in this whole entire sequence that I'm about to show you where they pretty much have like that one, you're pretty much, uh, Joel's daughter to where you're pretty much, uh, you know, in the back seat of, you know, Joel's truck and you're pretty much escape trying to find a way to get out of Texas, trying to find a way to escape uh, the outbreak. And it just goes from bad to worse to shitty. I'm about to show you this right now because the way they did it was insane. And real quick hint, it involves a plane. Maybe it's everywhere. Maybe there's nowhere to go. Drive through them. Are you serious? Just keep going. Right. Back, 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 back. Move. 
and pretty much you have this situation where it's not like they're trying to escape the crowd and they run over the crowd and next thing you know they get hit by a truck it's pretty much just hey i'm gonna go reverse and i'm gonna do my the best i can to not hit this crowd of people and next thing you know a whole plane comes in like goes crazy as a plane crash and then parts of the plane comes in ricochets and then it hits the car and crashes into the car and then it all goes shit from there and then with that entire sequence it leads into one of the saddest moments in the entire last of us franchise to where i really thought it was just going to be the same i didn't know how they were going to redo this scene but they really outdid themselves in the death of sarah joel's daughter and yeah, it was it was really really good, man. It, I and I tell you right now, man, this was when I knew that the people making this show, including Neil Druckmann, they were not fucking around. You're safe. Don't move. My daughter's hurt. Her ankle. Stop right there. Okay. Easy now. We're not sick. I got two civilians by the river. One of them injured. Ankle. What did Uncle tell me? I'm going to get you somewhere safe first. Don't go back for him, okay? Okay. I'm sorry, Ruth. Hey, no one told you to move. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're not sick. Sir. We are not sick! Sorry. Please stop. Yeah, like that, 
that that whole sequence was just like, yo, what? Like we're we're really gonna do this. We're really gonna make everybody sad again. Everyone who's played the game, everyone who's gone through that entire sequence, we're just gonna go ahead and just make them depressed for one more day. Like really, like eternal sadness, and that's something that I love from the get go. Besides them fleshing out everything in this entire world, and after that. I mean, to put it short, we're transported 20 years into the future in this entire outbreak, this pandemic, into where they flesh out more stuff with the environment and the characters to where we see Joel and Tess and all these different people live in the quarantine zone under this military dictatorship. And pretty much in the game, like you got to walk through the entire area and see that, hey, like. This this place is fucked up. You think this is supposed to be a safe place, but everyone is living here is is depressed. They're living in shambles. They're fighting for scraps. I mean, everyone is just a survivor trying to fight to live, but they're clinging on to life and one wrong step and they'll they'll fall out. I mean, and you think the people who are trying to protect them are going to be cool and all, but it's like if you even escape and leave at an unauthorized time, they will hang you in front of everybody like it's medieval Europe. And when you get to this point, it's just like it really shows like the change in the entire environment throughout this outbreak. But importantly, it shows you how much Joel has changed as a person to where he has no remorse. He becomes the badass Joel that we all know and love the person to where he's shattered and broken and that he lives he, he continues to have the image of his daughter being shot and killed through his brain over and over and over. And that is something to where the, the show does a great job at. It's something to where video game adaptations are supposed to do, flesh out more things, provide that narrative to where we understand the character more. And besides Pedro Pascal and his portrayal, I loved all the other portrayals of all these other characters. When you see Tess, Tess looks like she's been through hell and back. She looks like someone to where she is just entirely done with this apocalypse and this pandemic and she just wants to go ahead and just chill for a moment you see other characters like Merle Dandridge who's just kind of sick of it but she's still living through the mission which by the way she did an amazing job playing her character and then we finally get to see Bella Ramsey's portrayal of Ellie to where some people are still saying they don't know how they feel about her they don't know if she is still somebody to where that's going to be the Ellie they all know and love from the games. To me, I thought Bella Ramsey did a good job. I didn't think I really saw a lot of problems here or there. I know that there's going to be a couple more episodes to where I'm really waiting to see what happens, but I understand how some people are still worried because remember, Ellie's a major part in this entire story. The fact that the next game involved her and her grown-up selves, and we don't even know what's going on. We're still in part one. It's like, this is going to be a big thing for Bella Ramsey and depending where the series goes, like she is going to have a big, big, big responsibility on her shoulders as an actress. But I thought for the first episode, she did great. They showed how much she's witty. She showed how much she's stubborn as hell. She's a rebel, how she has a potty mouth, but at the same time, she's very resourceful. She's smart at what she does. She's been doing this for a minute and showing just pretty much at the end of this episode to where, um, She's the big thing about this show about like how she hasn't been she's been bitten and she hasn't been affected and hasn't turned into a zombie or to a clicker in the last couple of weeks and how this has become a mission to basically see if she can become a cure for all of mankind and 
I'm, listen, I'm telling you all this stuff because the game's been out for years. If you don't know the story of the story of The Last of Us at all, then that's on you, big fella. But, I mean, straight up, if I have to go ahead and, and talk about other stuff that I loved in this entire show, in this episode, is that I love the set design. I love the cinematography. I love the grittiness. I, I love the interactions with characters. I, I think and the soundtrack. I love the soundtrack. The fact that the opening sequence to the entire show is the same opening sequence. Well, not well. It's pretty much the entire opening sequence, similar to it, but the the exact same sound soundtrack, the same sound music, everything with that. That was awesome. And if there's one more scene that I want to show you guys to kind of pretty much just like end and give a conclusion of what we're, what I'm talking about, my impressions of the show, I'll go ahead and just give you this scene, which is pretty much uh, serves as a parallel to what we saw uh, in some of the other previous scenes, including the last one with Sarah's death, where it just shows you the thing that Joel is going to live through in this entire series. Whoa. guy's fucking dead <laughs> yeah he, he he's done he's finito but that served as an amazing parallel to like this entire sequence and to what joel's ptsd consists of it just having the, the the whole thought the whole sequence of a military man killing his daughter the people that's supposed to protect them and stuff and serve seeing that and then going all the way to that current scene to where they were trying to find a way to sneak out of the quarantine zone. And this guy who was pretty much uh, getting, you know, hooked on pills and, and, and hooking up uh, Joel with like this type of currency that they use in the, in the pandemic and also some cigarettes. I mean, seeing that all go down, I mean, that was amazing. And after this scene, you pretty much see the revelation, the old twist that, uh, you know, Ellie is could be the one thing that stops this entire outbreak because she hasn't been infected at all after getting bitten. And that's really dope. Uh, but I mean, overall, man, it's just, when you're thinking about episode one, I mean, there's nothing else to say. I, I, I've, the only thing that you can really criticize or nitpick is that with the added narrative that they put in to make this story more of a narrative feel, it, it, it just, it does slow down a bit. It does drag the pacing down a bit and for some people who don't care about the narrative feel or are not too much big of fans of it they're going to be bored a little bit but for me and for others that i've been noticing this was awesome the way that they're taking this story that's already award-winning and it's already praised for so many things and you're doing it and you're trying to fix a lot of the things that some people either nitpick complained about or wish it was better i feel like this is when you try to make something better from what it was and that's what video game adaptations that's what any type of adaptation needs to be ran it's like you already have something that's great use this platform use this a uh, form of media this medium to pretty much build upon it and to approve on it so that you have not only new audiences to come in but you have older audiences to say 
man, good job on that shit, man. Because this is something that I really wanted from a lot of video game adaptations. I mean, uh, I know we have an entire season to wait on and to watch, but at the end of the day, I love everything that I'm seeing right now. And, uh, yeah, man, if I have to give you a rating based on this first episode so far, I give it like a, a nine and a half out of 10. I loved everything about it. I think this is one of those shows where I'm going to watch week to week. Uh, and I think this for anyone who is sticking on with the Velma train and everything like that, I hate to bring that shit up, but anyone who's sticking with the Velma train right now, watching that week to week, you know, the last of us will be a great palate cleanser to pretty much just, you know, get rid all of the hate and toxicity that you're going through when watching and talking about Velma. But overall, the last of us, great, strong start. I love everything about it. I can't wait to see what else they have cooking, man. Uh, and, and plus they're doing the same thing like the house of the dragon. They're adding in a whole podcast. They're adding in a whole, um, man, they're adding in a whole, like, a. Uh, uh, inside the episode and weeks to come all that so this is definitely going to be one of hbo max's like big programs for the next couple months the last the season finale of the last of us will be coming out march 12th and before then you actually have one show that pedro pascal is actually going to be in as well and this is a show that's been running for the last couple of years now that everyone loves man and it's part of a big franchise. You may know him as Star Wars. And the first trailer for it came out. And without further ado, let's actually get into it. Because I know you guys are excited for The Mandalorian. I'm ready for The Mandalorian. So without further ado, let's get into this trailer. Our people are scattered. Like stars in the galaxy. What are we? What do we stand for? Being a Mandalorian is not just learning about how to fight, how to fight. You also have to know how to navigate the galaxy. That way, you'll never be lost. I'm going to Mandalore. So that I may be forgiven for my transgressions. May the force be with you! This is the way. There's something dangerous happening out there. And by the time it becomes big enough for you to act, it'll be too late. Hang on, kid. is the trailer for the third season of the Mandalorian and hold on let me go ahead and turn this down real quick but I mean first things first I think I've already said this before but like is it just crazy that like there is going to be like one to two weeks where we see Pedro Pascal and a big IP in Star Wars and then another big IP in The Last of Us 
It's like this man is living the life. It's like he's one of the best. He's one of the best mainstream actors that we have today. Like this man has a lot of range. This man has a lot of work that he can go ahead and prove why he's one of the best. And straight up, man, he's just a a straight badass. And I love him, especially in Wonder Woman 1984 for what he was able to do. But I mean, straight up, I mean, this looks great. It looks like it's going to continue the narrative that the Mandalorian season two went ahead and put on. It, It definitely is going to be better than the book of Boba Fett, which I did not like whatsoever. There are a lot of problems with it and it's doing something to where, uh, it, it's some of what I liked about the Mandalorian season one and season two, uh, besides some of the things that Alyssa did in that it really goes in and shows you another side of the galaxy. Like it's a wild, wild Western where it's showing you more aspects of the star Wars universe that I really wanted to see that I also saw somewhere in like Andor to where it really wasn't just like the Jedi. It wasn't just about the force. It was really on focusing all these different cultures and all these different characters that we don't know. And that we get to show this expansive universe. That's so awesome. And all these different facets of it. And that's what the Mandalorian did. Now I know that we have Grogu, I mean, baby Yoda, who pretty much is in the force. And we had all these characters who are force users that are also awesome, but I'm talking about in moments and episodes to where we follow uh, Mando and just how it feels like it's the wild, wild west. It's this really cool space Western cowboy adventure and just what they're able to do with this character. Like I'm, I'm really excited to see that man. And just knowing what they have in store for this entire for this entire third season like I'm ready to see what they got in store for us man I mean it, it seems like he's going to go back to Mandalore and it looks like he's going to you know have a whole group we're going to see more of Grogu just pretty much do his thing with just having force powers and being able to be probably one of the most powerful force users out there right now uh don't quote me on that that's just what I've been noticing on the shows but Overall, man, like I'm excited to see it. It's going to be one of those next big shows that Disney Plus going to showcase right there. And then probably next up, you're going to want to have uh, like another Marvel show in the next couple months. But again, man, Pedro Pascal, too big, is in too big shows that people can just go ahead and go crazy for. And I'm excited for it. I know you excited for it. I can't wait to see it, man. I, I really, I really can't wait to see this. Now, with that all being said, let's go ahead and get into a little bit of news regarding one particular movie and also just box office news on some other films. And I think one of the first movies that I'm going to go ahead and talk about is a a little movie that I saw um, this past weekend to where I'm not going to lie. I was very hesitant on this. I had a lot of things to say and I was trying to figure out, is this going to be something that... I would enjoy that. I would uh, want to see more and more and more. And honestly, after seeing it, I, uh, I have to say, just like in my review, I, uh, I'm, I did not care for it as much. And that movie was, Oh, sorry. <laughs> Got that part right there. And that movie was, Alright, alright, I'm well already. That's what you get staying out partying all night. I'm a promoter, I'm working. I got like 18,000 followers. You know who got followers? Jesus. Take your rude ass to work. You just cursed. What would Jesus say? Jesus would say, shut the fuck up, this is my house. <laughs> 
What you know about him? Oh, okay, okay, that was actually pretty funny. But the movie that I'm talking about is House Party, uh, the movie that's pretty much the reboot to the House Party franchise that we all know and love, where I pretty much went into this review. I think I'll have a more in-depth review in the next coming days, uh, where I pretty much just said this movie had some entertaining bits and there are some cool chemistry between characters, but Overall, I did not think this movie was that great. I think as a successor to House Party and as a reboot, it does not do a good job in trying to be a good comparison to the entire movie in general, the first two movies. And as a movie alone, I just feel like it's just not that great. It's very messy and it doesn't really have a good narrative direction. And it's not produced that much well from LeBron. It feels like a movie to where he just grabbed his best friends. He just grabbed all of the uh, content creators creators and Instagram and TikTok uh, comedians out there like Drewski, DC, Youngfly, uh, everybody you can think of and just said, hey, let's just make a movie and call it House Party. And it was just not that great. And the more and more that I kind of let it sit with me and just chill, the more I'm starting to think that, yeah, this movie just wasn't that great. And those entertaining bits were just they were cool, but more of the negatives overshadowed the positives into where it's probably like already in like. I won't say it's going to be in my top 10 worst movies of 2023 when the year is over 12 months from now. But like so far, it's starting. It's one of the worst movies I've seen so far uh, this year. And I, I have to be honest, man. It's like this movie I was hoping to be well. But so far, a lot of people had the same idea that I had because this movie has not done well in the box office. This movie, I think, has made about $3.9 million or around $4.1 million. We can actually go to the numbers right here and actually just check for ourselves. But, uh, yeah. No, no, no. Oh, I was way off. So right here, you have the numbers, uh, all-time domestic box office so far from this past weekend. It's made about $4,730,000. Now, you would think for a movie like this, it's like, okay, how much money did he put into the budget? They put in millions of dollars of this. And then really, when you look down here on its daily box office performance, that is not good. You have some to where January 13th, January 14th, it made a boatload of money. It made like $1.4 million. But then you see a negative 23% decrease, and then you see a negative of 35% decrease to where January 16th, it only made about $730,000. And this movie's already being considered a flop for, you know, January and for what it was for a movie that was produced by one of the greatest of all time in LeBron James. It's a real big failure. And I wouldn't say the movie is like the worst thing ever made, but it's a bad film. And one of the things that's crazy to me is that the more I'm starting to understand the production of this movie and just what was going on, the more I'm just like, yeah, this movie was bound to fucking fail. Like, if you would have just put this on streaming, it would have been much better, but you didn't. And this leads into one of the big things to why this movie was in the theaters and why this movie was in existence. This movie was already being created. It was already done, and it was scheduled to have an all-digital release on HBO Max. But remember... Warner Discovery came in and said that, hey, we're going to go ahead and prioritize putting our movies out into the theaters because we are losing money. We need to make up as much money as they can. Remember, they were they took away Batgirl. They took away all these different HBO Max releases and digital only releases. And then they had some movies that were going to be on HBO Max and said, let's put them out in the theater. 
And House Party was one of those films. And I feel like if House Party was put into streaming, it would have done much better, not in terms of just the story or anything like that, in just terms of money-wise. And, like, people can just go ahead and just rewatch it, do whatever they want with it. But putting this on theaters, I don't know. Like, yes, it made millions of dollars, but it didn't make the money that you really wanted. And that's the sad part. The other thing that really just weirded me out, and I'm actually just going to look this up as soon as I can, uh, because this was a weird story. And I think people, I think y'all need to notice, uh, this was on complex, but apparently kid Cuddy's last minute role in the new house party movie, uh, gave the whole cast a shock. And I, I'm, 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 actually, I'm reading through this article. I can start to understand now that like, yeah, that entire sequence with Kid Cudi, the sequences with Kid Cudi, which is weird, man. Like, I love Kid Cudi. I thought I think Kid Cudi's a great actor. He's a great musician. Everything. He's, he's awesome. But the thing about it was that his appearance in this movie was just so out of place. And it was so weird that I just didn't know what was going on, especially the whole Illuminati sequence. I was just like, what is happening here? Like, what are we doing? What what is happening? And let's go to the article, man. Oh, let's go to the article right here, man. Uh, oh man, let's just go down, man. Just go ahead and just see what they have going on. James served as a producer, all that. Yeah, it just talks about like DC Young Fly, and just talking about. And just talking about kid and play and talking about this is important important for the culture. I'm going to like, yeah, okay, here it is. I was surprised that Kid Cudi played a major role in this movie. What was it like working with him? Uh, And this is what TC said. uh, I remember that he was acting so good. And I was like, yo, I might have to step this up because you're not about to outshine me. And he laughs. I was like, yo, Cuddy, you getting a bit too crazy, bro. Uh, He was so locked in. He was dedicated. He was making great comedic choices. I didn't know he was that funny. Do you know what I mean? And comedy is tough. They they offered Cuddy to be a cameo. And he was like, nah, I don't want to do a cameo. Like he wanted to do like a proper part. So someone was supposed to play his part. And then that person dropped out. And then someone else was supposed to play that part. And then that person was going through some things. So then the person dropped out. Oh, my fault. Let's go ahead and just fucked it all up. Right here supposed to play that part then that person dropped out then someone else was supposed to play that part then that person was going through some things so then that person dropped out and then stepped up to go to the plate he bodied out and he bodied out and then you got kid fucking cuddy and and i guess that's what it is it was just so many people there was supposed to be one person supposed to put in the role who's supposed to do all that so they already had the storyline planned out i guess and kid cuddy came in and just said yeah i'll fucking do it and they were they were gonna make him one of the mini cameos in this film that didn't make any sense and um i i guess uh i I don't know i I don't know um it, it was weird it was weird but yeah overall like i said man like house party has not done good in the box office it's actually looking like it's gonna be one of the first flops of 2023 i know there's gonna be more flops in store uh well it's not the only flop the the second flop was plain uh i guess you can i think you could say that's a flop i'll look it up real quick but like plain that one movie that uh actually did much better in, in terms of critics and just what it was supposed to do. And, ah, uh, yeah, it flopped. It flopped. Uh, I mean, 
it's not doing as well. It's made, it has a budget of 20 to $25 million, which I'm a little surprised. And it had a box office of $12 million. I'm going to be real with you guys. I'm going to have a review for that very soon and just kind of talk about my thoughts of it. Overall, I thought I liked the movie. Uh, I thought it was really cool. But, yeah, I mean, this movie should have been on streaming, too. This movie should have been straight on streaming, too. And I'm just going on Wikipedia and just showing you guys what I'm seeing right here. Yeah, right here. Circle around. Box office of $12 million, Budget of $20, $25 million. Both House Party and Plane should have been streaming movies. Uh, but the difference between one of them is that one of them is actually entertaining and good. The other one is just fucking weird. <laughs> so that's that. But uh, actually, real quick, I'm going to go ahead and take a bathroom break real quick because I need to go ahead and do something. Uh, but we'll be right back with our last segment of the night. And that is going to be pretty much my dream Sonic animated series. We'll be right back right after these black screen on messages. straight right into our next segment which is our last segment i'm just gonna be real with you it's gonna be our last segment and gonna be real with you guys it's just gonna be something to where i just talked about it just very chill in a tiktok video it was real quick it was something that i was thinking about for a minute Ooh, sorry for the hiccups uh it was something that i was thinking about for a minute after watching a certain property from a certain franchise in sonic the hedgehog and I thought it was going to be really, really cool, but I thought I expand upon what I was talking about with that entire sequence. And that was pretty much just how I feel like I like, how, like what type of animated series I want 
in the Sonic the Hedgehog franchise. And I'm not going to make this into like a 30 minute thing. I'm not going to make this into something to where, you know, I'm going to go do a super deep analysis. I'm just going to tell you my thoughts as we go ahead and just end the show a little bit. But straight up, I feel like a Sonic the Animated Series would be amazing. Not in the ones that we have currently. I know Sonic Prime's on Netflix and that we had Sonic X, which it had a lot of great moments, but it was made by four kids. Well, it was translated by four kids and it wasn't that great. And there are so many other shows out there, but I think lately there has been a lot of great things from Sonic in terms of animation. And it's not from the shows, but it's from the games. And really when you see stuff like Sonic mania, uh, you see uh, Sonic origins and in Sonic frontiers, you had a lot of like these animated uh, slideshows, these animated videos to where it showed like homages to the Sonic franchise. And I think with seeing all of that and seeing just what they were able to do in terms of the animation, it really got me thinking like, man, like we really need an animated series involving Sonic that looks as good as this. And I'll go ahead and I'll show you something. Uh, I'll show you a little bit of what I'm talking about because it was straight up amazing what they did with Sonic Frontier. I don't think it blew up the internet, but it definitely got people talking in terms of like what they wanted. And I think that kind of goes into like what I want in a Sonic animated series first is that I want really good animation like they did with the Sonic animated, uh, the Sonic Frontiers prologue, uh, something as good to where it feels very immersive. It feels stylish. It feels just great. And uh, it really gives you like this different tone that we haven't seen in the Sonic TV shows in a very long while. And I'll just go ahead and just jump right into it, man. Bush, huh? <laughs> Your funeral. I mean see what I mean you got something as beautiful as that as awesome as that and you could use that same animation for an animated series that could span into seasons and like I'm not saying Sonic Prime is terrible or is bad I've seen good things from it I think it's one of the better Sonic shows a little bit but in terms of just something that I wanted to see from the Sonic franchise you already got the comics you already got some of the games you already got the movie franchise right now that's up and running that's about to become a full-on universe and i got a whole theory with that in the super mario brothers movie but now it's like you could do something in terms of the tv series where you can reign supreme with this amazing animation and i I just don't understand why don't they do something like this like i don't like you put all this money into a big budget into showing like how 
badass your game is going to be and like you don't use it for your tv shows like that's always been the one thing that's just weird like look at this look at this you have like this amazing sequence and you decided nah we ain't we ain't gonna do that so that's the first thing i would probably do in in terms of a of a whole sonic animated series the second thing is that uh i would say uh use in terms of the source material, in terms of the story, definitely use the games, uh, definitely the Sonic Adventure series. Uh, use a little bit of mixture of like the Sonic, uh, a couple of the first Sonic games to where you do something cool with that. Um, but I also want to go ahead and put in something else that I thought would be really cool. But also use a lot of the elements of storytelling from the Sonic Archie comic books and also the Sonic IDW comic books to where specifically use the Archie comic books as a way to bring in characters that we really haven't seen uh, put into a different form of media. And I'm talking about characters like Scrooge, the Hedgehog, who is pretty much the evil twin of Sonic, uh, Sally Acorn. Uh, have the freedom fighters in there, other characters we have seen like different echidnas and, and just have some to where you make the world super expansive. Now, when I say use Archie comics, I'm just saying the characters and some of the story arcs do not use the rest over there because the Archie comic books are super convoluted. They're everywhere. It's just crazy. So with that, use the flow of storytelling from the IDW comic books, use kind of that tone, use kind of that flow, use some of the characters as well, but those characters are really from the games, but use all of that from IDW to where it it's very consistent, it, it, it flows well, the pacing is great, to where it's not everywhere and all over the place, to where it, it really connects everything in a very cohesive manner, and that's what I would use for the storytelling, because let's just be honest, there's a lot of things to love from the Archie comic books, but there's a lot of things to be weirded out and hate from the Archie comic books. And with IDW, they did an amazing thing. They made it an amazing thing and just rebooting everything into trying to do a way to where it just feels right. It feels like just it's streamlined and it's not too crazy. They've had some great arcs. Uh, they had the metal virus arc. They're using one of the arcs, uh, I think from Sonic lost world where you use those villains. And I think they're doing a great job with it. And I, and I would hope that if they ever do the animated series, have the animation from what you just saw in a couple minutes ago but also use the storylines and the comics from that as well uh, and then next thing i would say is that find a way to pretty much implement uh you know a darker tone uh in some episodes i'm not saying make the entire show overly edgy or just overly adult no no don't do that have a right balance of com- comedy of drama uh, of serious tone of edginess all of that to where it feels like you're watching something and it has some real weight to it in a lot of moments because when you go through a lot of these characters in the arcs i mean like it's awesome and i think with also that you should also think about really up, uh, uh like upgrading the fight sequences make it seem like i wouldn't say dragon ball z level or make it to where it it, it feels like on that crazy anime level like if you don't know what i'm talking about uh, I'm going to use one example uh, from here that I thought would be dope. And I know a lot of people have been using this, uh, I guess, idea. But, like, one of the anime that it reminds me of that I think would be cool in terms of um, in, in terms of using it as a medium for, like, fight sequences. I got two anime for you, and they probably want two that you may know already. But here's the first one. 
ルソサイティーを名作者にしたのはてめえかって聞いてんだよその通りだ陛下見ての通りだハッシュバルトここまで来ては仕方ない潰していこう Crazy, <laughs> I know I'm crazy for putting that out there, but I think if you had some of the fights inspired from Bleach down to your Blood War, not not in terms of like the craziness that happens, but like the art direction, the the choreography, the cinematography, all that, I feel like that would be freaking awesome. But besides that one, and I'm going to use another one, I feel like this one is just a fever dream version of what I'm talking about. This is the one where I'm just like, ah,、uh, you, you you really don't have to use this.、Uh, I'm just, this is just, if I had all the money and the resources in the world, I would use this. But if anything, I would go ahead and use this as well as a way to like use from、uh, some good motivation in terms of fight sequences. And that is. <laughs> Crazy for that one. I, you don't have to use that one. Like I said, that's just in terms of like if I had all the resources and stuff in the world. But that's not even the specific bi-、uh, fight that I'm even looking for. I'm looking for the fight.、Uh, I'm looking for that one devil fight he had after the bat to where I was like, this is awesome. Yes, the leech devil. This is the one. Yeah. <laughs> Have something like that, man. Like, I'm crazy for even suggesting that, but 
Nah, if you can just have inspiration from like Chainsaw Man and just how they just had amazing cinematography and fight choreography, I feel like for a Sonic animated series, it would be freaking awesome. But that's just me. That's just in my dreams. I'm too crazy for that. I'm just I'm just a madman with madman dreams. <laughs> but nah, straight up. I mean, to, to pretty much put it in summary, I would say my dream Sonic the Animated series would pretty much take animation from the Sonic Frontiers animated prologue or like the animation from Sonic Mania and stuff like that or the animation from the Sonic Origins uh, video shorts that they did. And I would then go ahead and take the storyline of a mixture of IDW and Archie comic books to where you use IDW for a sense of good flow, pacing and storytelling and also use some of the characters and some of the arcs from uh, both Archie and IDW, especially Archie in terms of characters. Then in terms of uh, the added little things I wanted in there, I would definitely love uh, fight choreography, cinematography, all of that. Uh, And my inspirations would be Bleach Thousand Year Blood War, Chainsaw Man, or just any type of anime that has high-octane action like that. I think it would be awesome. And I don't know if we're ever going to get that, I feel like we're not. I mean, Sonic is already in a position to where they could just go full on 3D animation with just their movie franchise based on what their plans are for that in Paramount Plus. But if I was like the head of Sega or like the head of like Sonic Entertainment or media, I would say, let's get let's get on that shit, man. Let's get cracking on that shit, man. But uh, yeah, with all that being said, I think that's it for tonight, man. I think that's it for tonight. I want to go ahead and thank you guys so much for coming in to tonight's episode of The Midnight Drop. It was a wonderful time having you guys in tonight and just go ahead and just talking about Last of Us, The Mandalorian, these box office returns for Plane and House Party and my dream Sonic TV show. But like I said before, if you don't want to go ahead and listen to the podcast or watch the podcast, you can go ahead and follow us on YouTube. TikTok, Instagram, Spotify, SoundCloud, our website, www.themidnightdrop.com. And our next episode is going to be with Lance, and we're going to be talking about a lot of cool stuff. But with that being said, thanks so much for joining in to The Midnight Drop. I'm your host, Jordan Malone. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be back with more episodes this week. But until then, peace.